Masechet Nedarim, Daf Ayin Tet, in which we complete the 10th Perek and begin the 11th and last. Uh, we ended the Daf yesterday talking about a statement of Rabbi Hanina, and we challenged Rabbi Hanina. We were able to successfully respond to the challenge, and now we're going to see four more challenges to Rabbi Hanina. Most of them will be successful challenges uh, rejecting Rabbi Hanina. So let's remember what he said. He said that uh, we we thought that when a husband is quiet for one day, then that's it. By the end of the day, um, uh, if he does not nullify the vow, then his wife's vow sticks. Rabbi Hanina, however, said that's only if his 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 vow um, is uh, when he has he has the vow when he's quiet. He's quiet because he wants the vow to stick. But if he's quiet because he wants to annoy his wife. He wants to put her on edge and um, and worry that, oh, no, can you please annul it? But he's going to delay it for two, three, even ten days. Uh, but he has in mind the whole time that he's going to annul it. He's, so Rabbi Hanina says, as long as the husband has in mind that he's going to annul the vow, and he's being quiet, not as an agreement to the vow, but rather just an annoyance to her, then he can come, continue to be silent and nullify it even many days later. That's Rabbi Hanina's position. Okay, we asked a question um, uh, of him from a Baraita, uh, which mentions uh, Shama Vikiem and Shama Sheshatak. So he was quiet. Is uh, isn't this a case where he was quiet because he wants to annoy her? And yet, that's it. He has no. He, once the husband dies, then uh, the father cannot do it anymore. And we say no. Maybe he's quiet because. Um, he wants it to be ratified. So that's why the, the father cannot do it anymore because he's actually ratifying it. But if so, this is double language. He's quiet and he has in mind that he's going to ratify it. Having in mind to ratify, we're going to see uh, later today, um, is, uh, is um, effective even if he doesn't ratify it out loud. So these are, these are the same, aren't they? And we answer no. If you're quiet, not in mind to ratify it, but you're quiet, he didn't make a decision yet, um, then um, that's what this case is talking about because he was quiet and the day ended. Therefore, that is a ratification. And once the husband ratifies it, and even if he dies, the father can no longer nullify it. So that's how we answer that. This is important because the next one is going to have a similar answer. So here's the next second question. Matib Rav um, uh, the uh, ratifying is stronger, more powerful than nullifying in some ways, and uh, nullifying is more powerful than ratifying. We're going to list only the first now. Ratifying something, a vow, for husband to ratify a vow, is, done, is a, str- a stronger uh, a position, meaning it's more easily done. Because if the husband is simply quiet, then it will be ratified. Whereas, there's no way to nullify a wife's vow by being quiet. So, that's one way. If someone, if a husband ratified it in his mind, even though he didn't express it out loud, that is a ratification. Whereas, if he nullified it in his mind, it is not nullified. That's the second way. Third, now this one actually works both ways. Um, if once he ratifies it, he can no longer nullify it. So that's a way in which ratification is stronger. This does have a flip side that once he nullifies it, he can no longer ratify it. So really this, the third one equals um, is, uh, is uh, equal, but part of it 
the ratification is stronger than the nullification. Now, and here's the question. One of the things was, if he's quiet, then that ratifies. Is this not talking about someone who's quiet because he wants to annoy his wife? Now, although the Baraita doesn't say what the case is, right? It's, it's open to interpretation. So if we interpret the Baraita as being a case where he was quiet, having in mind that eventually he's going to nullify it, um, um, uh, that, uh, but um, uh, in the meantime, he hasn't yet, and uh, yet, and still, it says that when he's quiet, even having in mind that he wants, he's just doing it to annoy his wife, and eventually he thinks of, he thinks he's going to, he's going to annul it. Nevertheless, it becomes ratified. Uh, so, according to this Braita, according to this interpretation, even if he's just delaying um, to to annoy her, nevertheless, by being quiet until the end of the day, that is a ratification, and that's a challenge to the Bichanina, who says that if he has in mind to annoy his wife, then he can nullify it even the even a few days later. And we answer, Lo amenat No, he's quiet because. He eventually, he's quiet because he wants to um, uh, ratify it. That's what this Baraita is talking about. He has in mind that he's going to ratify it, and then the day ends, and then that's a full ratification. It's a quiet being um, for ratification, and it's not talking about the Bichanina's case, and therefore um, it's not a challenge to the Bichanina. When we ask, kayam. Hold on, but that's the same as um as him uh, ratifying it in his heart right if he just has in mind then that's a ratification so you're saying that's the same thing because shitika if he's quiet having in mind that to ratify it well that's the same as ratifying it in his mind he's quiet having in mind to ratify it why would you have to say the same thing twice and the answer is ella bishotek satam when the in the first um clause when it says quiet he is not, it's not talking about a case where he's quiet, having in mind he's going to ratify it. He's just quiet. He didn't think about it. He didn't decide yet. And uh, nevertheless, uh, because once the day ends, that's it. It becomes ratified. So that's different from where he is actively thinking in his, in his mind, consciously thinking that he's going to ratify it. But neither of these cases is where he's quiet, having in mind that he's going to nullify it in a few days and he's just waiting to annoy his wife, this Baraita is not talking about that case, and therefore it's not a challenge to Rabbi Hanina. Okay, so we solved this challenge, but once we board with this Baraita, we want to know um, about the opposite. You gave us three examples of the way that ratification is stronger than nullification. But what about the other way around? Rabbi Yochanan explains that you can undo, go to a sage and ask him to undo a ratification. You go to the sage and listen, I ratified my wife's vow, but now that I thought about it more, I want to undo my ratification. You can do that. But if the husband goes and nullifies his wife's vow, then he cannot go to a sage and say, I annulled it, but I feel bad. I want to unannul it. Once you nullify it, it's not there anymore. Uh, so you can't nullify a nullification. Okay, good. So that uh, concludes the second. Now the third challenge. Pasuk in Bemidbar. We can bring it up here. 
Here is the Pasuk in Bemidbar chapter 30. It says, If her husband is quiet, notice the double language, uh, for an entire day, then her vow will be ratified, or anything that prohibition that she puts upon herself. He ratified it because, See, again, it repeats. So you see um, um, at least three words for there's others in other places. Um, okay, so it has says hechadish a lot of times. So this the baraita is going to analyze it. Um, uh, uh, the baraita says hechadish hechadish laisha b'shotek amanat lemekatek This pasuk is talking about a case where a husband is quiet because he wants to annoy his wife, even though he's planning on nullifying it later. Nevertheless, it becomes ratified by, at the end of the day. This is a clear challenge to be uh, to, to be chanina. And the Paraita now continues to prove its point. Hold on, I know you're going to ask me, how do I know that this is about being quiet to annoy my wife and maybe it's being quiet in order to ratify the vow? That's why, he, that's why the husband is quiet because he knows that he wants to ratify it. At the end of the Pasuk, when it repeats, that's talking about a simple case when he's quiet because he wants to ratify it. Why do I need to repeat the being quiet at the beginning of the Pasuk? So it's clear that the Pasuk is covering all its bases, both if I'm quiet because I want to nullify it and if I'm quiet because I want to ratify it. Um, uh, in a- either case, once the end of the day comes, it is ratified if he's quiet the whole time. And this chat, this uh, uh, refutes Rabbi Hanina, who said that as long as I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm only doing it to annoy my wife and I'm, I'm planning on canceling it later, that I can cancel it later. This is a, a, a very clear baraita against Rabbi Hanina. Now we ask, wait a second, why is it such a tiyuvta? Maybe we can answer. Oh, why can't we say that? The, I know this is twice. One is when I uh, am quiet because I want to ratify it. And the other one is, quiet, uh, is I'm quiet because I didn't decide. I didn't think about it at all. I'm just quiet. Right, but I could still leave room open that if I'm quiet because I want to annoy my wife, then it is not ratified. Right, so why can't I say that? And the answer is There's a lot of pesukim about um, being quiet. Just in this pasuk already, there's three times it says the word, and so um, this you see the pasuk is covering all cases of being quiet, no matter what. If he's quiet at the end of the day. It's ratified. It doesn't matter if he had in mind that he's going to nullify it and he's only annoying her. All right, so that's a conclusive proof against Rabbi Hanina. Even though we have that conclusive proof, we're going to continue to add on a couple more. Mativ Rava, Nadera im Hashecha, Mefer la ad shelo Hashcha. Shim lo hefer ve Hashcha, eno yachol lehafer. This is a Mishnah we already saw a few dapim ago that if she makes a vow on Friday night, and um, he, the husband can uh, undo the vow 
no, yeah, he can undo the vow until nightfall of Shabbat. Um, because if he doesn't do it before nightfall of Shabbat, then that's it. That's the cutoff point. That will be the end of the day, and he cannot do it um, uh, afterwards. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Now, why not? Why can't he continue to nullify it even after the nightfall on Saturday? Why not say it's a case of... Uh, the husband, that he's uh, quiet because he wants to annoy her, but he's having in mind to annul it later. So then the uh, window of opportunity does not close according to the Bichanina. So we see from this Mishnah that assumes that in all cases he has to nullify it before the end of the day, uh, that no matter what he has in mind, he has to say it, otherwise he loses opportunity, even if he has in mind to annoy her, um, he will not be able to nullify it afterwards. That's a conclusive proof against Rabbi Hanina. And now another one, last one, Mativ Rav There's Mishnah coming up in the next Perek. If a person says, listen, I know there's such a thing as vows, but I didn't know the law about nullification. I didn't know that I can nullify it. Um, in that case, Yafed, he can nullify it even a day, days after he hears about it. Because on the day that he heard about it, it's true, he heard the vow, but he didn't know that he had a right to nullify it. So his being quiet it's not a proof that he ratified it. It's not a proof for anything. He didn't know the law. So as soon as he learns the law on that day, he can nullify it. On the other hand, switch it around. If he knew that there's a law that he has a right to nullify her vows, but he didn't know that a particular formulation that she used was a vow. He thought he was just, she was just saying that she's, she's, uh, she wishes she can... Um, uh, uh, exercise every day, right? But he didn't realize that the language she used is actually a vow, and so that's why he didn't nullify it. So in that case, do we say his being quiet is uh, ratifies it, or his being quiet is he, he was only quiet because he didn't realize that that was actually a vow? So to be meir omed lo yafer hachamim omedim yafer. To be meir says. He cannot nullify it. It's no excuse um, uh, just because you didn't realize it's a vow. You, know, you have to know what, a vow, what is a vow and what's not a vow. So then you lose your opportunity to nullify it. Chachamim, however, say, since he didn't realize it's a vow, his being quiet is not indicative of his agreement to it. So he can nullify it on the day that he discovers that it is a vow. Now, uh, um, assuming to be Meir, we're going to challenge to be Chanina. Why can't he, why does he lose his opportunity to nullify it? Let it be similar to a case that he's quiet to annoy his wife, in which case he can extend the, the deadline and nullify it later. This should be a similar thing, because he didn't have in mind that he wants it to be um, uh, ratified. Um, he just didn't have a, he, uh, he just didn't know it was a vow, so it should be similar to that case. And since the Rabbi Meir does not say it's similar to that case, it shows that Rabbi Meir does not agree with Rabbi Hanina to Yufta. So there's yet another refutation of Rabbi Hanina. Uh, this is a pretty powerful sugya that has so many refutations and keeps piling them on um, and uh, concludes without resurrecting Rabbi Hanina. And that is the end of the Perekadran Alach Na'ara HaMe'orasa Chazakim Ubiruchim. And now we get to begin the next Perek, which is about uh, in what cases is a husband permitted to, uh, does he have the right to uh, nullify his wife's vows. It's not about all vows, as we've seen before. 
Um, we have seen before already that it has to do with um, vows that affect their relationship, right? In that case, he can nullify it. But just uh, a standard vow, like the example I just said, if she wants said she's going to exercise every day, the husband may not have a right to nullify that, right? How is that affecting him? Um, so uh, maybe he wouldn't be able to nullify that vow. Okay, so now we're going to see yet another category in which a husband can nullify the vow, even if it doesn't affect their relationship. Anything that a vow that a woman makes, a wife makes, that is, it causes her affliction, uh, undue affliction. Uh, if she says a vow, if I bathe or if I do not bathe, if I adorn myself, if I do not adorn myself. In other words, she's saying I'm not going to bathe uh, or she's not going to wear jewelry, cosmetics. She's not going to dress up. Um, uh, I, for whatever reason, she's in the mood to say this now, but this is going to cause her undue affliction, not bathing and, and, um, and not uh, getting dressed up. And so therefore he can can, the husband can annul this vow even if it doesn't relate to him. He doesn't uh, care about jewelry. He doesn't care about cosmetics. Um, nevertheless, I'm not sure if he's not going to care about bathing. Okay, but this just because it annoys her. According to Tanakama, that's sufficient grounds. Now, Amadabiyose disagrees with Tanakama. He says, that's not considered affliction. Um, affliction has to be something that's a higher bar. Has to do with with food. If she says, "I'm not going to eat fruit, any fruit from the whole world," that is a tremendous affliction, right? It's very hard to to get along without ever eating fruit. So the husband can nullify it, and this is very a good example. Even though it has no effect on him, what does the husband care if his wife eats fruit or not? It's not going to affect their relationship, um, uh, but yet he can look out for her well-being. And make sure. Okay, Pe, uh, all this comes from is based on pasuk la anot nefesh. It says in the pasuk. Uh, here's the pasuk right here, so we can see it inside. Um, uh, um, so you see here we learned that that vows that cause her to suffer. That's one category in which the husband can undo it. So this is an example. However, the Biyose uh, limits his own example. If she only vows and says, fruit from a certain country are prohibited to me, then that, that, that vow sticks because he can always get fruit from another country. And so that's not such a... Uh, such a limit, not such a, a limitation or affliction, right? It just means she can't have uh, those oranges from this country. So you'll buy the oranges from another country. If she says, I'm not, not going to eat any fruit from this particular store, um, then he cannot undo it because, right, they can always buy fruit from a different store. However, if his sustenance only comes from one store, um, perhaps he gets paid through that store. Right? Uh, the, the, his his uh, employer says, you know, part of your paycheck is you can go to that store and buy what you want from that store. In that case, he can't just go to another store. Or maybe there is no other store nearby. Um, in that case, he, he can nullify it because her saying, I'm not going to eat from that store, if that's the only store that he can shop in, is effectively saying she's not going to have fruit at all. That is affliction. 
and then he can undo it, uh, as Rabbi says opinion. Okay, we'll get to Rabbi says opinion on the next stuff, but right now, um, this basic concept, Nidre Ainui Nefesh, Hu de Mefer, Sheen Bahen Ainui Nefesh, Eno Mefer. From this Mishnah, it sounds like there's only one category um, uh, that a husband can nullify, and that is uh, vows that have to do with her affliction. But if it doesn't have to do with her affliction, then he cannot nullify it. We have another Braita that we've seen already, uh, then said, where it says, he, this is the concluding verse, uh, here 17, these are the laws regarding um, vows between a husband and a wife, between a father and a daughter. So we learn from this that only vows that affect the relationship between the husband and wife the husband can um, can nullify. So these don't don't necessarily have to do with affliction. Uh, if a woman says, "I'm not going to cook," that's not an affliction upon her, but it will affect their relationship. And so that should be. Um, so these also can nullify. How come the Mishnah above here didn't didn't mention this category? In fact, there's two categories. So we're going to see two answers. The first one we're going to reject. So the sage says, you're right. In fact, there are two different categories. But our Mishnah here in this Pedek only mentioned one of them because there's the distinction between the way that they're nullified. If it has to do with her... Uh, um, uh, with her affliction, like she's not going to eat fruit, and then if the uh, once the husband nullifies it, it's nullified forever for the rest of her life. Even if they divorce, um, she still uh, is still still nullified, and she can always eat fruit. However, if it's something that does not have an, a, a, a sense, a part of, part of it as being affliction, um, and then, and, and uh, it's only about the because of their relationship, then he can nullify it temporarily. Only while they're married, then it's nullified. But if they once they get divorced, then the vow is kind of hovering there, and then it will apply the minute they are divorced. Um, if it's something that is between them, but is not an affliction. So if she says, um, "Listen, I'm not cooking at all forever. I, I, I take a vow. I'm not going to cook." He says he comes home and hears about that, and he says, "No, this will affect our relationship." Let's assume that she's the one that's cooking. And um, so, uh, so he says, I annul the vow. Okay, it is annulled while they're married. Once they, if they get divorced, then the, the vow comes back and she's not allowed to cook anymore. On the other hand, if she says, I'm not going to eat fruit, then, and he nullifies it, then she can always eat fruit even after they're divorced. That's the difference. That's why this Mishnah mentioned only one category, not the other. Okay. Then we question this whole assumption. If it's something that doesn't involve affliction, then really, once they get divorced, the vow comes back and applies to her. There's a Mishnah that's coming up uh, that says, if a woman says, uh, what makes a vow that I cannot, anything I do, you can have no benefit from. Um, he should nullify it. 
um, uh, even though it can't take an effect because she can't take a vow on things that she already guaranteed. This is her basic responsibility in the Ketubah, that she has to do certain things for her husband around the house. Uh, nevertheless, Rabbi says he should nullify it. Why? Because it, what, what if they get divorced and then she will, she will then be prohibited to him? And if they want to get remarried, then that'll be a problem. We won't be able to remarry her. So we see if he does not nullify the vow, then even though the vow will not uh, apply while they're married because she doesn't have a right to take a vow against something that she has to give him, she has to provide, she, she has to do things for him, uh, nevertheless, it will apply once they get divorced. Yes, that's true. So, but the ben Nuri says, therefore, the man, the husband should nullify it immediately while they're married, just in case. Uh, what do we see from here? Uh, we see that even after they divorce, as long as he nullified it from the beginning, it, the nullification continues. So we prove from here that um, a nullification, and this has to do with things that are between them. This is not, this is not about affliction. Um, and he should nullify it here, even though there's no need to nullify while they're married, but he should nullify it so that when they get divorced, it will, not, it will, it will continue to be nullified. That way they can remarry if they want to. Um, so this is a pretty clear proof that this is what you said here is not true. Um, even in cases of a vow made that, uh, that affects their relationship, once the husband nullifies it, it's nullified forever. It does not come back after they're divorced. So rather, a second um, answer to explain that the two different categories, why our Mishnah mentioned only of those of affliction, but there's yet another category um, of things between them, but they're not mentioned together. In fact, you're right. The husband can nullify both types of vows, but there is a difference. Ella, if it has to do with affliction, then the husband has a right to nullify it, whether it affects himself or it, it affects other people. No matter who it affects, he can nullify it. But if there's not um, a affliction, if it has nothing to do with affliction, then he can only nullify it if it affects himself. Um, uh, if she says, I'm not going to speak to you, I'm not going to cook for you, then he can nullify it. But if it has to do with her relationship with other people, she's not going to speak to her friend, then he cannot nullify it. Okay, so that's the difference between the two. And that's why in our Mishnah of this Pedic, um, you can uh, assume that, uh, read it as if the following words were there. Here are Nedarim that a husband can nullify uh, for his, for uh, his his the following nedarim a man can nullify um, of if his uh, if his wife makes them whether it affects him or even if it affects other people um, anything that is going to cause her afflict, uh, affliction um, so and that is only a bad affliction because it's bad other people whereas the other category of things that affect him, even if there's no affliction, yes, you're right, he can, he can nullify those also, but they're not mentioned in this Mishnah, because those are limited to things that affect him, and not things that affect other people. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.